Hi, you're here with Shannon Wong Lerner, PhD, communication coach. And I'm Onifa Harris, voice coach. And we have a special guest for today. I'm Tiffany Lin, embodiment and expression coach. Hello. So you're here, <laughs> you're here today with us for the podcast, Ephemeral Voice Matters. And this is our fifth episode today. We have a special guest. We're focused on embodiment today. And the name of our podcast episode is Lift Your Voice, Embody Your Movement, Breathe Your Diversity. And we're focusing on the subject of embodiment just because we wanted to focus this episode on diverse people, on marginalized voices. And Manif and I were talking before we met Tiffany and brought her on about how important it is to acknowledge diverse peoples and marginalized voices, embodied experiences and things that, that they have been through. Many times these things are swept under the carpet or I'm going to do a meditation on microaggressions. So sometimes they're just kind of ignored or treated as something that's very subtle when it's something very real. And so each of us as coaches, we work with people diverse people and work on how to help them get back to that place where they can tell their truth, speak their truth, live their truth in embodied ways, in our different ways, through breath, through voice, and through movement. Yes. Um, so yeah, so that's one of the things that um, is important about this discussion is because in all the different ways that we um, move and we have our being in this society and all the new ways that we're um, really seeing how that's playing out um, in our day-to-day -day structures and um, and now that we're really getting we're, we're getting the visual we're starting to understand what that means to us and how we are functioning on a day-to-day -day basis so for me, um, I'm always coming back to the, the idea of voice um, as, a, as a present action, right? So it's kind of the point of what is and what's moving through, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, what's key about that is that we always take the, the present moment um, along with the the information our bodies give us about hmm. where we've been but also deciding how we want to move into the future you know and so um for me it has been something of acknowledging you know again not acknowledging how things are and then deciding how what i want the outcome to be you know so um so yeah, so for me in my career, like what, what it's looked like, especially in the, in the arena of classical music, um, where it's white male dominant, much less, you know, women aren't respected, much less singers, which I consider is like a, the feminine of, of anything, but like especially the, the opera industry. And um, just having that general lack of disrespect, you know, a lack of honoring and valuing um, the vocalists in the industry. Um, it was just widespread. And at the same time, you're asked to like own this, 
really large space in a very authoritative way once you start using your voice. So it's kind of like this, this feeling of like being boxed into this, this thing, like you can only be right in this way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was very important to be able to um, own my space, right, from, in order to operate in that environment. And, um, and then no, noticing what's going on, you know, noticing like some of the disrespect and disvaluing that's going on and choosing not to participate in it, mm. you know. And, um, and so it was, it, was a, it was a tough road to walk. But again, because I could acknowledge what was happening, then I can also choose my experience, mm-hmm. right? And it's, um, and it was, it took some time, it took some work. And so one of the things that I do um, for, for my clients is to really help them get present to, to who they really are and not let the, the environment dictate their experience. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of one of the ways and aspects that I, that I work through it. And then we'll, we'll have examples a little later. So yeah, that is something we're going to do special in this episode. We actually did the last one and people really liked it to actually like show all of you what we do. We talk about it, which is fun, but then actually to go into it and show you. And I think, you know, uh, bridging off of what Manifa said, I think about my work with breath and it being like really a breath centered practice is like oftentimes we think, especially where I came from in academia, and like research one schools where it's also very much white male, cisgendered, heterosexual male identified and sort of like the focus on who's in power. Uh, And I would say even for people of color and for queer people and queer people of color, we feel we have to act a certain way and speak a certain way in order to fit rather than it being the other way around with the structure. And so by focusing on breath, I'm helping people of color, I'm helping, you know, BIPOC people, queer people of color, uh, check in with themselves and create that institutional change from within and then being able to go outside. And to me, it's really important that going within part because without that, uh, like at least for me, I know I fought my way through that system a lot, which wasn't always the most productive, although it always felt better when I said something as compared to didn't say something. But I do think that there's another way, and that way is confronting, you know, problems, bias, prejudice, racism, you know, all the isms from a place of being responsive and trying to get a response back rather than just yelling and screaming, Mm. which again, feels good, but (laughs) so (laughs) no doubt, no doubt. Yes. (laughs) But I mean, I think a lot of times when I, Oh, go ahead, Tiff. (laughs) I just, I want to, I want to bridge what both of you are brilliantly saying, um, bringing in like breath as like bringing us to the present and what you're saying also Shannon with, whatever we're feeling inside and bringing it to the outside. And I love that, like all three of how we do what we do and the context of our own lived experience and fighting through our own internalized oppression. How, how do we use breath and sound and move that energy out so it doesn't get stuck yeah. in our mm-hmm. internal 
muscles in our fascia, in our tissues, in a way that we feel compressed and contracted mm -hmm. and bogged down and squashed by the forces of the powers that may be from patriarchy. How do we move through it in a way that we can actually have more breath and more mm -hmm. agency, more sovereignty, mm -hmm. and more aliveness and more joy? How can we be in relationship as much as we are in relationship with the pain and the fear that we can so mm -hmm. easily feel from the collective right now, especially moving forward this coming election? Yes. Mm -hmm. How can we move through that, have a relationship with that, but be in relationship with also our, our joy, our ecstasy, mm -hmm. our aliveness. Mm -hmm. And I think that that move, um, that shift that we can all, try and make when we understand how our body functions and how to yeah. listen to that, how to have the practices we need to feel our organic felt natural sense is what both of us, all of us, mm -hmm. what we're here, three of us here are, are doing and wanting to nerd out about. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited at this opportunity. Um, and I, I love, I love, the the different intersections of mm -hmm. how we're bringing diversity in this picture because it's not just you know go to therapy which is from an oppressed like it's pretty much an industry based on whiteness and oppression mm -hmm. like how do you cope with your oppression mm -hmm. and get by rather we are through our experience our learnings through our own different modalities and the signature of what we're channeling how do we you know, create that practice for people that feels unique and authentic to them. So, mm. sorry, I just no, got really, it's really excited. Good. No, it's good. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think what you're making me think of is like, I think each of our practices focuses on helping people find something within themselves that's for them, like them only, not, not in a selfish way, but it also connects to a collective. So like, you know, you might use certain words and then you say something you don't mean to say, or you have to like code switch. That's like, you're not completely you. Right. But when you do breath work and you're like sitting with yourself and you're like feeling what you're feeling, you can acknowledge it. You can acknowledge what's going on and then speak. It comes from such a different place. And you're able to, like you said, Tiffany, like speak your authentic voice, like, like be who you really are and like feel that truth coming out of you in that moment right and and what I also loved about what you said was was just acknowledging all of the feelings right yeah. I think we come from this place where we're like we're lucky if we can recognize the one you know um, but when we start doing more of this work then we can really start acknowledging all of the feelings that are coming with the thing and then again choosing which ones to highlight and to 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 move into I think the the work of um, I, what I love also about the expressing the experience part that Shannon was saying is that it really does um, speak to like you, like having your portion of what you're taking responsibility for and your experience and your past and your feelings, and then letting the other take care of theirs. Um, and so, mm, yeah. um, and in every, you know, whatever way they decide to move forward, but not making it your responsibility to, to deal with the other's um, misalignments. That's like, do they talk about that? Like they talk about decolonizing. Do they talk about like 
decolonizing and codependency because I feel like that is something I have had to start shedding and dealing with when something comes up, just like well, exactly what Nifa said. And that's the practice I do with meditation is like, I'm going through what I'm going through, you're going through what you're going through, and I'm just going to like notice it and not try to like change you or like move you or, you know, it's, this has been something I, I've been dealing with is how not to, as a person of color, as a queer person of color, go into that codependent space where I feel like I have to help people, I have to educate them, which is good to do if they want that, I guess, but it's also okay for them to go to Google and to like look things up. Yeah. And so I don't know, what do you two think about that? I think this is where embodiment comes into feeling what is your grounded, centered, most aligned self outside of all the external voices around you, which is a process because it also goes in conjunction with your own um, intergenerational healing. Like for me, growing up as a very sensitive, you know, um, Taiwanese born, going to America to meet my immediate family when I'm three, like in New Jersey, uh, there was just um, things around like, what can I say? The, the conditioning that I took on uh, intergenerational trauma, you could say, is a field. But the thing that I took on is how like caretaking my mother's experience and her loneliness when my father left mm. to go back to China and all of that, the, the shame and the feeling like, I don't want my mom to be upset in any single way. I'm going to do whatever I can to almost leave my body so that I can care for her and know that she is loved. But by doing so, there was this strong codependent attachment yeah. for me feeling and being and embodying her pain so much that it you know, influences the way that I relate in my past previous relationships, but that's something I'm continuously healing mm. from and through is, hold on, how can I be more centered in who I am when I am alone and then respect my partner for whatever they're going through mm -hmm. in their own abandonment traumas? And how can we have a clear conversation, both embodied in ourselves without feeling like totally enmeshed in this sense mm -hmm. of like trying, tolerating, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. that's interesting especially the enmeshment I understand the intergenerational and the things mm -hmm. with mother or older women in my family in general that obligation mm -hmm. to take it on yeah you know it's like it's my job to take this on mm -hmm. and there is sort of a great rage and difficulty when you don't take that on I think yeah, there's almost a sense of expectation too that I feel mm -hmm. also is a comes from a very cultural practice mm -hmm. of like, you know, much more like collective interests of you are a family, you need to be there for your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which my work has always been about shifting outside of obligation into more of an orgasmic yes. Like what mm. is the authentic yes that I'm completely a hundred about yeah. and when I feel like my cup is full and that I'm able to do that or that it's it's a, in alignment to my values then then that is what will benefit everyone around me mm -hmm. versus coming from a place of like I'm 
you know, like a place of force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That what do you sense. all feel when, when, when you feel that like embodied somatic sense of like force and obligation versus like an authentic alignment? I'm curious how you to shift I, and discern what that feels like in your body. Do you want to say Manifa? I have something, but I don't want to leave you out. Oh, well, I, I do because it's just so much part. I feel like, you know, even in my, you know, my ancestral culture, like it's very much a part of how, how my mother functioned and I'm sure how her mother functioned and on and on and um, where everything is your responsibility. (laughs) It's just like, it's just so it is. Everything's your responsibility. Everybody's feelings are your responsibility. Mm. I, I, um, and I recognize it as still very much present with myself when you were talking about it. I was just like, oh, yeah, I feel that. Because um, for me, it's always almost been like a run the other direction, like so reaction or um, assimilation. Or they're both, they're both unhealed, right? Um, and so, and I've always just been like, well, no, there's no way. Like if I, if I don't feel like I want to do it, that I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. not going any further than that and asking the why around that. But um, that's just always how it's been. And it just makes me like, but it makes me feel like, oh my God, like I don't want to be stuck like that. I don't mm-hmm. want to be stuck in obligation. Um, one of the things that kind of paved the way out of it for me was saying that if I was going to resent it then I would just not mm-hmm. do it you know mm-hmm. um so now that I'm in a healthier place I'm going to ask bigger questions around that like you know is this something that I would want to do if I didn't feel like I was obligated to be a, a good question yeah. for me yeah this is something that I think is really important you know uh like for me as someone who just came out and someone who realized like a lot of my life was me trying to pass or like follow these rules to appear a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really was this sort of like grand performance. Although I didn't know at the time, I thought I was being authentic. And all the, and my, so my whole life was obligation in a sense, you know, and it was an obligation for being a certain way that I thought was how I was supposed to be being and doing the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. So even entering into projects that were pretty big long-term projects <laughs> and it not being like, you know, what I'm doing now, which is really heart-centered work and focusing on, you know, where my heart is, like what it beats for, like who it, want, who it reaches out to, who reaches out to me. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, I do think also there's a balance, but I do think um, when it comes to family for me, but that obligatory, like I'm going to live someone else's life, therefore I will be happy. And I think that is something I'm working through. I'm like in the thick of it right now. And it's something that also I find, you know, kind of bringing it around to our businesses. As I work through this, I start bringing in clients who need someone to help guide them because they're doing this too. And so, you know, helping them speak, helping them. A lot of my clients are non-native English speakers. And so, you know, they need someone who won't judge them and someone who, you know, will understand them and be sensitive to them. And so also that, that idea of assimilation, like teaching them to speak and be in the way that they are, not just to 
be in this way that they think will mm -hmm. help them assimilate. Although I don't want to judge in that way too, because some people, everyone has different comfort levels and how they feel comfortable speaking in public. But, you know, I really am coming from that place now. So I think it's a really good question and checking in with my body. You know, if I don't do my yoga in some way every day or my meditation sitting and just being still with myself and just feeling my body breathing and going through whatever scripts are in my head and kind yeah. of like just seeing them. It's almost like the ticker tape, you know, it's like people in the stock market in the old fashioned see those like little ticker tapes, you know, that would mm -hmm. read the stock reports. That's kind of like my little script as I'm sitting in my meditation. I'm like, Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And then I can kind of quantify, Oh, that's why my, you know, that's why my shoulders are like way up here. Or that's yeah. why my back is hurting. Or that's why when I speak, I sound strange. You know, it's it to me. All of these things are connected. It's all very integrated. So much. And yeah, and being yeah. able to work that way with people, I think they're amazed when you can do that. Like when I do my meditations, they're just like, and it, I, you can do it in like two minutes. They're just so amazed that they became so self-aware, and now they can do the thing that they thought they couldn't do. Mm, beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. I feel like in many cases, we are all looking for safe containers to be able to emote and to express our innermost feelings that um, just because we live in a capitalistic structured professional, you have to hold it together world. Sure. Um, we don't really know the depths of the pain that we might be feeling or, you know, how badly our inner child actually wants to be witnessed sure. <laughs> and held. So creating in my work too, with my clients, creating the container, whether it's 10 minutes to acknowledge, just yeah. witness um, oneself while they are, held and knowing that there is no judgment but just for you know how how to move the body in a way that actually feels like you can breathe and shift uh, yeah and you can like you can just the idea that you can move from something rather than having to sit in something right and yeah. have and be glued to that place as a survival that is like a fight or flight thing like mm -hmm. i'm just gonna stay here i'm gonna like a turtle you know just like stick my head in and just like hope for the best. It's, it's so hard true. to move yeah. from that place. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious now, like, like now that we've had like a little bit of overview, a little bit of how we're feeling about the, the landscape um, now, like where did these tools come from? Because now I think that story around mm. like, how did we choose our tools? How do we find the tools that we use to, mm. to, um, choose another lived experience, you know, like, um, but Shannon, you want to oh, talk about that? Sure. Yeah. I think for me, it's a really good question. Cause I just took this decolonizing yoga class that through, mm. uh, people's hub. I believe that's what it was called. And, and if I got, have it wrong, I'll correct it on the, on the writing about this podcast, but it was all about how, so I'm going to talk and kind of, I'll just very briefly talk in like a, a way that isn't connected to particular cultures, but, um, you know, I have adapted my meditation from my experience 
since I was in my 20s when I took a yoga class with a woman who was from Shivananda Yoga, which I didn't know at the time. And so the thing that she taught me was how to just become self-aware. It was just like, and I was very depressed. It was 23. I was very depressed. I did not feel in my body. Like I just kind of felt like this blueby thing, like moving around. Like I didn't, you know, I'd like eat ice cream for breakfast. I just, I don't know. It was just like doing this weird thing as this young adult. And I always remember that that first meditation yoga, I felt like this stream running through my body and it was like connected to my tear ducts. And all of a sudden I was just like crying. She had us all in the dark sitting on these mats. So it's kind of reminiscent of kindergarten and being in those, those hard, I don't know if you had that Tiffany, but I know Manifa and I, our generation had this where we'd be in nap time, but you'd be sitting on these like Mm. really like thin mats everyone be in the dark sleeping Mm. I don't know if we ever really slept but (laughs) well it was reminiscent of that I I started crying and she came to me and she was just so nice and nurturing and I looked around and then she like oh I have to she like ran and then someone else was crying I looked around there was like maybe three or four people just weeping and Mm -hmm. so the reason why I'm telling this story is because I realized there is like something in this practice just this very, very simple act of just laying down, like being still with yourself, breathing, and like having some visualization and guided meditation that brought me back to myself in a way that was almost like a rebirth for me, Mm -hmm. Uh, being born to myself as an adult, as someone who could navigate my life in the way that I wanted. And so... That was my first experience of meditation. Like decades later, I realized it was from this ashram and organization called Shivananda, which is uh, like a traditional Indian uh, Hatha yoga practice. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do, I do borrow some of my tools from them and I have adapted it over the years based on my students whom you know, I taught in the university for a long time with clients and yeah so I'm in the midst of I I sound a little fragmented I'm in the midst of changing things around just because I am very aware of that that colonization of yoga and kind of the Hindu and Brahmin focus and then ignoring all the ethnic minorities that were a part of it and also ignoring the fact that there's European influences that are said to be Indian. And I mean, it's just very confusing. I, I'm at the very beginning of trying to figure this out. Like, can I even say yoga anymore? Can I, you know, do these simple gestures, do OM? Am I stealing from people when I do this? So I'm really in the process of trying to change how I'm speaking, be more aware of like the Southeast Asian culture and people and heritage that I have been borrowing from to put politely. <laughs> I And so I'm at the very beginning point of investigating this and figuring out what I can really do and then what I can ethically pass on, you know, to my clients and to the public. So it feels right to me. So I'm doing, you know, I'm doing something that feels good within my body and other people's body, but at the same time, not at the expense of, of other people's cultures. Mm. Yeah, that actually brings up for me something. Um, is it okay, Tiffany, if I... Please, go for it. Um, 
because um, I understand where, where this movement's coming from and in, in a body that is of so many different cultures, um, I feel it's important to recognize our spirits are not tied to a lineage um, mm. the way our bodies are. And it's very important for me to, to express that the, the assumption of culturalization within spirituality is, is um, limited and spirituality mm. does not need to be limited. And I think it's important to honor lineage, speak to instructors, speak to your mother, speak to your teachers, but not to feel as if you have no right to an experience, um, you know, or even the continuation of an experience or a sharing of an experience mm. based on how people might perceive your cultural tie. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's very important that, um, that we don't carry a judgment of body into our spiritual transactions. That's just, I feel like that's something I needed to say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I hear that. I think, you know, when I went through that class and started thinking about this, I think I was just thinking about like those, cause now I'm doing this thing on microaggressions and, you know, like recently I went to this coming out meeting and there was a Caucasian person there and they were, they assumed I wasn't from the U S cause of my name. Uh -huh. And then they like did this to me. I was just like, what is that? Like has someone, people haven't done that to me in a really long time. It used to happen all the time when I lived in this, like really, um, I lived in like a very sparsely populated area people were always doing that to me but it made me think about like what I was doing in my yoga class my meditation class like adopting the chants adopting the gestures and it made me feel bad I guess that's where I'm coming from because yeah. I feel like if someone from an ethnic minority like were to see me doing that and also not acknowledge like where it came from or what I'm doing it, it doesn't feel good to them mm. I don't know if that makes sense yeah, and I'd like to, to, to just speak to that because it's like, because mm -hmm. then you're taking on somebody else's experience. And we just talked about the codependency of, of um, you know, taking ownership for somebody else's process, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I just, I just like, since you're in the process of thinking and evaluating about it, yes, honor the lineage, yes. Um, speak to, to the practices and where you've learned them and um, know that nobody can know your personal experience. As somebody who has mm -hmm. Irish heritage, Chinese heritage um, and lineage running through me, like nobody's going to ascribe those things to me. Sure. Right. But if I decide yeah. to express those things um, through a personal experience and, and embodiment of, of that uh, work, then nobody has a right to judge that either. Sure. Yeah. I think it's just up to each individual practitioner. Like yeah. this is where I'm at in my practice. Like also trying to come to terms, like what does it mean for me to even say I'm Asian, Asian American, when I'm so American, you know, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think like for me, this is just part of my path 
not to tell other people to say like, I don't like that or you shouldn't do that because like you said, people own things in different ways within themselves. But I know for me, like I want to just make sure that I'm not continuing something. Yeah. yeah. I want to just make sure I'm not continuing something that's being been done to me. That's very hurtful. And I never saw it that way. So this is still very new, but I do hear what you're saying. Yeah. Not to make assumptions. Yeah. Just to emphasize the point, like how in your own interpersonal dialogue with a loved one partner around owning exactly what Monique Mm -hmm. said around owning your own expression or your own feelings, what's coming up for you Mm -hmm. is when you are using a modality or practice from other culture is owning the origins and the history and the arts of that lineage. Uh, Not to say that you are, um, not to say that these cultures or lineages don't want you to do that. I mean, this is all in the spirit of our collective awakening and liberation. Mm -hmm. I think that there's something beautiful about us being able to teach these practices for those who don't have access to or aren't as likely to go to a white cis male's yoga's class, right? That they're they're going to follow your own signature in the way that you tell and the way that you uh, transmit. And there's still an importance around valuing where it comes from. As much as we should all value the land that we've all settled into, mm-hmm. um, and that this land is founded by the genocide of indigenous folks and the enslavement mm-hmm. of African peoples. Like, I don't think we have enough of that dialogue. It's very, it's that that disconnection is influencing all of our collective somas on a very traumatic level. Um, whiteness is spurred by this understanding or misunderstanding that there's so much uh, disconnection mm-hmm. from their own culture and lineage. Yeah. So much mm-hmm. to the effect that they might project white fragility or white supremacy because they see other cultures being so spiritually aligned within their lineage that they just get all wonky you know (laughs) (laughs) and to understand that yeah um yeah to understand that on a on a personal level and not to take things personally but also um to move through our own experience with understanding that everyone's doing the best that they can and educate in the level of uh, accountability, Mm -hmm. um, not to embarrass where they may be defensive or not to shame where they might spiral and then not take accountability, but to, to get to that sweet spot, um, Mm -hmm. teaching the practices so that they can understand their own relationship to their own guilt and hopefully move forward. Mm -hmm. That's a difficult process. And there's so many layers to it because, like, so you know, when you're talking about, because you just brought in the other layer, which is the land you're in, you know, which is something we mm-hmm. have not talked about at all, like, mm-hmm. you know, within the dialogue. And it's just as important, like, you're, the land you're on is blessed by ancestors and they are probably not yours. Like, and so, <laughs> like, knowing that you're already you know, living in the blessing thereof, um, Mm -hmm. like, 
there's so many layers to it, and which is why I, I always come back to the sensation of presence. Like we are all learning these things and, and becoming more ourselves by understanding them. Um, and, you know, it's more important to be present to what is, you know, and it's more important that we, we start creating from here because all of those things are, are merely the stories that brought us to this point, mm -hmm. you know, and then we get to, to create from there. And so what I think is the land is calling for right now is to acknowledge the stories, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so as we're talking to all those things, like, you know, and, and you think about ancient practices, all those things are part of it. Like speaking to where you are, speaking to the directions, speaking to um, opening the space of this presence, place and time. And like seeing who's welcome, who wants to join you there spiritually and, and what have you. And so um, there is just, just like, it's a, a whole, it's a whole thing. And I think the more we have the conversations, in other words, you wouldn't know those things if we hadn't experienced these other, the other spiritualities and cultures and, 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 and teachings. So just by being exposed to them, we get to be a bigger part of, of a true authentic spirituality for ourselves, right? That mm -hmm. comes from within. Um, and, and so, um, it's just one of those things that we have to continue to um, be aware of and yet be okay with where we are now, you know? I, mm -hmm. I think that brings up something really, really interesting. And maybe this is a question that I can have for all of you or for both the, all of us <laughs> is that I think what Manifa is saying is that, you know, it's, it's important. It's not just important what we say and what we do, but it's important how we listen and how we, how we hear each other and so perhaps we can talk about different ways that in our practice we have listened to others whether it's our teachers or whether it's you know like me discovering this kind of decolonization of yoga and now listening to myself and like my authenticity in my heart like what do i want to do now like how am i going to do this and yeah, how do we listen to others and how do we, how do we hear them? And then how do we respond? That's something I'm, that's like kind of at the core of my practice right now, my self-practice and my practice with others. What do you two think? I think that's what intimacy is, right? Listening mm. and hearing someone and mm -hmm. the vibration or the level of awareness they're at and not speaking above them or underneath yeah. them, but to speak to that resonant meeting space. Mm -hmm. um, and then going from there and hoping that by, by meeting at during meeting in that meeting spot for a longer period of time will establish trust and that both parties can feel more able to open up a little bit more. Um, mm. Yeah. And it seems like that's, you know, at the heart of your, a lot of the work that you do, right, around embodiment mm -hmm. and intimacy. And, yes. you know, it's interesting to think, because I've actually, when we talked, and then I looked at your website, I feel like I haven't really known many therapists that do your type of work. 
And so it was also for me breaking these boundaries of this idea of like what's private and then what's shared with someone that maybe isn't just your partner. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that. That is interesting. Is that okay, Manifa? Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'd like to hear more about it. Yeah, I was just thinking about the intersection of embodiment and intimacy and what I'm also stepping into now of uh, decolonization and social justice and just empowerment of the collective. Um, but let me go by saying my background was um, my, the start of my own personal healing uh, spiritual journey started with um, going into this facet of my identity that I had the most trauma and the most taboo mm. in, which was my sexuality. Mm -hmm. I was closeted until I was 26. I lived in China with my father, who I, in the expectation of how I should be, was mm -hmm. to succeed his business in China. Oh. And I was completely soul fragmented, lost in my inner child of like forced obligation until I broke free from that um I, I read a book like woman who run with wolves <laughs> have you heard I know that book. <laughs> yeah it's just like shattered and then took acid and Coachella <laughs> when I was doing some markers I'm like I wrote like a 14 page like letter of resignation it's on mm. medium if you're interested to my father left and then within that month I found myself in San Francisco in the weekend of pride and seeing so many people so expressed so open so like so free and so I went into the journey of wanting to go into my sexual healing and my sexual awakening. Uh, I went through the route of orgasmic meditation mm. and found myself through priestess school in Bali and Egypt and Spain and in Tantra training, uh, focusing more on body work um, and, you know, the, the themes of embodiment and intimacy and authenticity and uh, vulnerability were all placed into my journey. Mm -hmm. And I think all of it is under the, the umbrella of just overall empowerment and expression. And so I think along this almost like, I don't know, it's like this, this opening of me wanting to find who I really am and my true mm -hmm. calling and what my soul is guided to do. Um, I've just learned the different ways that I, what I need for trust and safety and found the ways to hold sacred space, um, receiving the transmissions from also my teachers, but also what felt right because of my own wounding and my mm -hmm. own traumas um in so far that right now what i currently do is lead like i guide people into feeling what's true mm -hmm. while i'm just holding this sacred like holding the space holding the space holding the frequency knowing that like from some folks i work mostly with queer asian women yeah that even maintaining eye contact is a big deal. Oh, yeah. So that's a big one. And also just doing some fun dancing. We'll just dance 
together via Zoom <laughs> and to just slowly shed those layers of appropriativeness out, get silly, get weird, get sensual, <laughs> um, get sad, like any emotion that felt like it was too much to express, mm -hmm. even in intimate circles amongst family, that it's just too, it's not safe to go there because of past stuff around them saying that's weird or that's too much. You know, I, I, I like to focus with people who are ready to like at least itch behind that spot um, to find what's the most resonant for them to figure out what they need for their own unraveling. And I think that having someone who's done that work and is also queer and non-judgmental is like, I ain't get so weird with you. Don't even, <laughs> that um, being a guide in that way has them feel comfortable and has them be even surprised by their own audacity, by their own courage, by their own depth. Um, you know, you could do this alone, but like, I think having the guide and being witness, the act of witness of yeah. doing what you need to do to release stuff is hugely transformative. Yeah. yeah, I think that idea of like the mirroring, you know, I wrote about this recently in this book chapter about gender queerness and my relationship with my partner who's Asian Pacific Islander too, but that idea of mirroring with your clients too, mm -hmm. like I see you, like I get what you're going through. Now let's see what else is there if you want to. Yeah. And that's highly transformative. Yeah. What do you think, <sighs> Manifa? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, like um for for me and and you know, I'm just thinking about her story because I was like, I was like, wow, this is the, this is the same story, right? Like, as mm -hmm. far as wow. where is it coming from? Like, where do our tools come from? Like, what is a part of the experience itself of, um, of coming into, to being? And for, for me, it was like body was the last experience. Yeah. It was like, um, it's, it's hilarious that I think of that because I, I think of myself of, you know, when I was singing uh, in my elite version of self, you know, of, of, of opera and all this and how much body and like owning of, of my energetic space that takes. Oh, yeah. But like the conscious doing it as far as doing, doing it consciously was not a thing, right? Like it was just mm -hmm. part of what I had to do, you know? And, um, and so going through that, my, you know, my story of, of taking up space in, in my voice and like taking up space in a room and taking up space in, um, in myself mm -hmm. somehow mm. came, came to as a, as a, as a last frontier, you know, and uh, you know, Shannon knows that I was sick last year. So I had like a major surgery and I had cancer treatment and the entire process was around um, me releasing like the emotions that I had never expressed before, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. like 
getting back to to how I was really feeling. Um, I didn't even know like how angry I was until I mm-hmm. I decided to do this emotion work. And um, so my tools came to me before I was conscious of my tools. Isn't that weird? So I was a, I was not well spoken. I people couldn't hear what I was saying. I mumbled a lot. Um, I couldn't get thoughts out in a in a sequence that people would understand. Uh, and te- and learning how to sing is what actually brought me into the place of communication. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, without the conscious spirituality that um, I understand now, like I just knew it was true. I didn't know why it was true. I figured it had something to do with nerve endings and neurons, you know, <laughs> but it was definitely true. And then I had the experience of meditation and of energy work and of mm. like taking presence of my aura. And I thought I had it together because I could do like chakra work and all this kind of stuff. And I was already doing some energy healing Um and, yeah. and then again, like I had this, I had this ownership of my energetic space, mm-hmm. right? And uh, my, and then I had a spiritual mentor that was like, honey, you're, you're floating, you're floating above your body, you're over here. <laughs> She's like, you got to get that together. That's not healthy. You know, mm-hmm. she told me that about six to eight months before I got symptoms. Wow. Right. And as I was constantly doing this work of embodying myself, she was like, okay, just like, so she would actually lead me through vocal exercises to get me back into my body, which is like kind of hilarious because like I was the voice person. Right. And um, she didn't really do a lot of voice work at the time. And, um, and so like, I was having this experience like, oh yeah, that does feel different. Like, what is that? And then feeling the uncomfortability. So now that I'm like, aware of the outer space, aware of my auric space. And now I'm like getting aware of this physical space and I become supremely uncomfortable, mm. you know, mm. um, and supremely sensitive. Cause like, I'm already highly attuned to all this stuff, but like now I'm getting like physical sensations that I am not comfortable with. I can't identify cause I'm not connected yes. to my own emotional experience. You know, like it was a lot <laughs> to like deal with at once because like I had so much experience and knowledge and like getting it integrated was was the work of me healing, you know. And so now it's like now it's like, okay, now I'm using all of it with the understanding um, <laughs> of just like entering into the into that place of now so that, that those things have a chance of, of alignment you know because otherwise you're just constantly working against all of the other all of the other elements right or reacting to all of these other elements and 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 first um for me it takes that thing of really getting centered getting connected to yourself and then choosing what you want to hear so the reason why that kind of triggers me a little bit is because back in the day when I was still hearing from my mentor, like, um, she was like, honey, like, you don't need to be so aware all the time. It's draining you, which mm-hmm. I, was my physical experience, but I didn't realize it was connected to my energy until one, like, the next week, I was giving a mastermind outside of a Starbucks, 
and I heard a noise that was on the other side of, I was outside um, the Starbucks and I was on the other side of the shopping center and I knew it was on the other side of the shopping center, but my entire body went on guard. Mm. Like, like fight or flight, like, like what's going on? Because I couldn't recognize the sound. Mm. So if I can place it, if I can tell, like, you know, yeah, that's just a guy walking to the store. If I, that's like, I said, mm. like, I was literally so aware of my entire surroundings that I was tracking noises that were if nowhere near my vicinity. I'm in a public arena. I'm not in danger. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it's like a whole long story to say <laughs> mm-hmm. that you get to choose what you hear as well as you get to choose like what um, that, that of, of what you enters in. And I make the choice by being present to what I'm, I'm available to, you know, like I just, I, I've decided not to make everything my responsibility. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think letting things go. It's hard when you're, you know, an empath, empath. I remember when Manifa first said that to me, I thought it was psychic. It meant you're psychic, but it's not what it means. (laughs) But yeah, being a sponge and taking things in. And I think maybe this is a good segue for our demonstrations because then we get to channel that, right? And that's the idea of what these things are supposed to do is help ourselves and people channel Mm. these things that we're receiving. So, you know, first you listen, you take in, you consider you place it, you respond, and mm-hmm. if you need to, you channel it so you can let go. Does that sound good for all of you? Both Sounds of you? Great. Okay. Sounds fabulous. Do you want to start, Manifa? Do you, are you okay with that order? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, yeah. And do you want us to do it with you, or what are you going to yeah, What would you like? Yeah, I'll just okay. lead you through. I, I'm going to put it on myself on mute. Okay. Whatever's comfortable. Um, so yeah, so really it's just um, using the breath to get centered at first. So I'm gonna lead you through my active breath. I'm beginning to call it a power breath exercise um, because it's not just for the purpose of entering into a meditation or anything or to just get balanced in our, in our breathing capacity, um, but it's actually to, to purposefully get centered into this present time moment and um, ready to take a next step. Okay, and so first we're going to breathe all the way out. And when I mean that, I mean literally, and we're going to do it for a very long time. So following my overly expressive size, all the way out. And when you do that, I want you to think through the perineum, place between the two places to go to the bathroom, through the floor, into the earth. S's, sounds a little bit like a snake. And when you can't take it anymore, just let the air flow back in. The first one's always fun. Start to get a little flutters in the brain, depending on how how good that breath was. I always like to do a little bit of movement within it because what happens, you start to notice where you're tense in your body if you're not used to doing embodiment exercises. So a bit of stretching, breathing out. (sighs) If anything, any of those tensions can go with that breath, through the perineum, through the floor, into the earth. I can't take it anymore. I really notice as that air comes in, 
the lightness, the brightness, the energy. You feel any tingling in the fingers and the toes, right? And this next one, we're really just um, gonna give that full breath out. But when we breathe in, I want you to think of breathing in back from the earth, back through the perineum to below the belly button, okay? And then you're just going to get a full belly breath and then really see what that feels like. If you feel any bit more centered, a bit more present. So we're going to breathe out again, move if you want to. <sighs> Breathing into that lower belly. When you get that breath in there, I just want you to think, what am I feeling? Do you feel anything anywhere in your body that feels a little bit more present, a little more tense, a little more dense than anything else? And if you do, and if you don't, we're going to breathe out on ha. So we're just going to say ha while we breathe out. So it sounds a little something like Ha! Ah, you can call it a sigh, whatever feels good. So when you get to the end, go back to your S's. So I'm going to do another breath outward. I'm doing the same thing. S's, breathing into the lower belly when you got, can't take it anymore. Seeing in the body when there any extra feelings. And then you always want to go back to that feeling of S's outward, that feeling of <sighs> I expressed everything I could possibly express. <laughs> so this is a way of really just feeling what you're feeling without having to judge it, you know? feeling what you're feeling without having to judge it. And the more we just get really comfortable with, with just making whatever sound decides to come out, I'm using ha, so it feels a little bit more directive and that you feel like, you know, you know what you're doing. <laughs> but it can be any kind of sound. So I'm gonna, this time you can, you can do whatever you want. You're on mute. So if you have any other sounds that wanna come out, then let them come out. I'm going to do a little example of what um, was going on in my body right now and what sounds decide to come out while I'm doing this. So we're going to breathe out again. I'm going to get present.
was way weirder than I expected it to be. Poop happens, guys. All right, so we're gonna get we're gonna go ahead and center back and so that we can clear clear some more space. Whatever came out, whatever you feel is still coming through, go ahead and breathe it out as we do our next breath, okay? <sighs> Breathing all the way out, S's through the perineum, through the floor, into the earth. Give it over. Can't take it anymore. Breathing it back into the lower belly. Hmm. So that's about it. That's about it. I don't like to over-explain what's going on. I just like to feel it and move it out. I love it. <laughs> I loved it too. <laughs> I'm like tearing right now. I, 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 my body, my vessel takes really well to somatic experiences that involve breath and sound. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Yes, they are the best. It's just amazing how the body just soaks it up. It knows. We can use more of it always. I think um, I think what I would like to do is so I wanted to do this meditation for microaggression, <clears throat> but I really like what we've been talking about in like the center of our body, like you know Manifa doing stuff where we're completely like expelling all the air, so you can feel like the pelvic floor and feel like where the breath is coming from. So I'm thinking maybe we can continue to do that. Um, I'm just trying to think of the best way to sit to do that. Uh, so I'm gonna, I don't know how this is gonna work because I have all these cameras set up, but I'd like you to see if you can sit on the floor. <laughs> and I'm just gonna move this down a little bit. So I actually, ha I do this with clients uh, when we're working with speech and I feel like they feel like they don't know what to say or they are running out of breath and so they lose track of what they're saying or actually technically and literally they're running out of breath and they're running out of speech at the end of the words and the sentences. So it's just not there. And so something that I try to do with them is to try to get in touch with the pelvic floor, get in touch with the perineum, uh, which not all clients are open to, but I do it with the ones that I think are. So I'm actually wearing jeans, but they're pretty stretchy. So I'm going to have you move any excess flesh out of the way. So you're sitting right in your perineum. And so I'm moving the sides, I'm moving my thighs, and I'm moving actually like the butt cheeks, like anything I can move. So I'm sitting right in the middle. That's what I'm doing right now. And when you, you find when you do this, and I don't know how you two are feeling, but I'm sitting right in the middle. So my um, seat bones are back a little bit. They're tilted. My pelvis is tilted forward just a little bit. And so I'm sit seated right in my center in the perineum, right between your genitals and um, your anus. And then I'm putting my leg up, but you don't have to, you can just sit like this. The most important is like rooting right here in that pelvic floor, in that perineum. And so I'm just gonna have us close our eyes and just start to breathe. 
and you're just breathing your natural breath and you're just feeling that breath right now through your nose. How do you feel in your body right now? And how do you feel now that you're seated right in your center? You can feel your perineum on the floor and you can feel your chest opened up. You can feel your abdomen area opened up. And I want you to feel that stream of air coming from your perineum, coming from the earth, coming from wherever you're rooted right now and really feel that as a root, like you are rooted in that place. And that root is allowing for the rest of your body like a tree to spread its limbs and to open up and to allow for more breath than you have felt before. And continue to breathe. I'm not gonna hinder your breath right now or tell you how you should breathe. I just want you to breathe with that image in your mind. So as you're breathing in this just natural way with this new position, I want you to feel the part of your body and just like feel the sensation of the perineum on the floor. Feel the part of your body that is moving with breath and where the breath is cemented. You can even do like a little, maybe a little kegel or something just to like feel that area and feel the breath coming from that place. How is that breath more expansive? as compared to when you weren't doing that or you weren't filling your perineum on the floor. You weren't feeling that pelvic wall being awakened by breath. And now we're gonna go into a deeper breath. So deep diaphragmatic breath. So go ahead and put your hand on your belly and breathe in. And allow for your breath just to get really full. Now, while you're doing this, I do want you to like feel it reaching down to the pelvic floor, to the perineum, to the actual floor. Feel it. You can even feel some resistance pushing against the floor. So breathing in, feeling expansive, feeling that push. And you push from your hand and the floor, breathing out. Feel yourself getting even more rooted to the place where you're seated. Breathing in. Feel that push in your hand and the floor, breathing out. Feel even more solid and rooted where you're seated and do a few more on your own. And we're going to try to do, uh, so I'm going into your area a little, Manifa. We're going to try to do a little vocalization. Now that you have this like tension and this feeling from here and from down here. And we're just going to do this, something I learned from Manifa, that ho-hos. And so it actually, you'll be pumping with your diaphragm. And I think you had said initially, Manifa, that the, that the, uh, the resonation was like really largely in your chest cavity is that's why it sounds so large is that true for the hoe yeah the hoe uh it is all the resonance areas okay really. 
but you'll feel the- it like if you want to have that cognitive you know cognitive like you so you don't have to here. sit if, if you don't want to do it i also do this with clients where like we kind of squat so they can like feel that centeredness of their seat bones going down they can also feel that tension with the pelvic wall um and it can feel when you breathe this way and when you speak this way, how it's different than when you're closed off, like when you're sitting in a chair, all the different places we sit. And so this is what it's gonna sound like. You can hear it and then you can uh, join me. So I'm gonna breathe in. So, um, I just want to ask you guys or ask you to how that felt to do that. <laughs> yes. Just like kind of break up your day and try that. How did it feel? It feels awesome. I like this. I always like the, well, since good. the first time I did this, the sitting squat thing. Yeah. This is so good. I, you know, because people in the wild, like this is how they actually poop. And we don't ever <laughs> let our, like our sacral center and, and our root, yes. like our, our lower body into this position of like floor relaxation mm-hmm. and so like literally we're uptight so yeah it's, yeah, it's a really good tight. feeling yeah I also yeah. I also think about like you know people struggle so hard with communication and that's why I give them all these physical things to do and to think about like where is your center because like why make it harder for yourself by like right. not being connected to your center and not being connected to like your core you know, or it's like having, code. yeah, exactly. It's totally. Cause your physiology is already there. So you can just borrow from how you're already feeling. Yeah. And that's all we really want to do anyways, is feel, yeah. feel centered, feel confident. Yeah. How is it for you, Tiffany? I'm feeling like grounded in my perineum and I'm feeling like, I don't know, like this could like easily transition into the container that I want to play with. Cool. Like, Let's go. Let's like, do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted emotions. to do, I just wanted to do like a little thing. So let's, I'm just going to cool. keep sitting on the floor because I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> so yeah, to give context to what I had shared a little bit before around setting sacred containers or an experiential uh, container to Pretty, expre- pretty much express whatever is in the inside that you want to uh, using using performative art, using dance, using movement, breath, and sound to just air out mm-hmm. while you're in this space of being witnessed as a way to say, this is okay, this is safe. You have a, every right to claim this. And so what I wanted to leave both of you in is what feels to you like an expression that you want to bring forth, whether it's, and there's prompts that I can also guide. Sure. Like if, if it's a, if it's an animal or a plant or something in nature, like the ocean, or even um, a side of you uh, at five years old, at 13 in your teenage angst versus your, inner you know inner child turmoil what feels like something that you want to play with and Mm. I like I like the idea of like being huddled like this and then doing something to open 
been like, cause when I think of when I was little, you know, I came from like a really small town. And mm-hmm. so I had those extremes where I just wanted to feel safe, but then yet there was nature everywhere and I wanted to explore. And, you know, so I went between those two feelings a lot, like kind of insular and then exterior. Cool. Yeah. I love the position of your camera because when you did that, it actually felt like you were going into that place of like small. (laughs) And what came up for me is of maybe going into this um, space where we're like kind of like in a, in a seed, like monolith seed and what it would look like Mm. for you to come out into a big tree. But thanks for sharing that. that. Yeah, we can, we can do something like that. What okay. about for you, Monifa? Like crafting um, this experience. This is the first time I'm doing this with like two women, by the way. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm feeling a lot of the same thing because uh, for me, like if I, especially when I think of my child self, yeah. I love the small spaces. Being on the floor is also really like lovely for me. Um, but just like I liked, I like being in corners. I used to love putting my like my bed being in the corner, and I would read in the corner. Like I just mm. like being. It felt safe, you know. And um, and then and then also having the availability because I lived in the country, so we had the availability to like play in the fields, you know, um, and just having open space and like trees to climb on and things to explore so I love that like just feeling like I can then I can just branch out into my to my space I love that yeah I have this vision these themes that come up for me around like what both of you are are saying and what I also feel in my own inner child of needing of almost feeling like very like internal and it was Mm -hmm. only when I reached maybe 10 when I started to express more or wanting to be more out Mm -hmm. so we can maybe model that process you know like from the from our child to our becoming of our more dynamic selves Mm -hmm. on the floor in a corner however feels good and find (laughs) our positions and arrange our cameras and then, yeah, and then play with each other in this space. Knowing all is welcome. Yeah. Let me know once you're in position. <laughs> okay. Are we just doing like a, we're just doing a pose or are we, we're doing a movement? We're doing a movement. So this could oh. be, yes, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
things are practiced in both the breath and the sound and move in whatever way feels comfortable for your little child. Trying to find its place in the world. <laughs> are you playing with each other on the screen yeah we were i i was playing and then i noticed i had a lot of chips on my carpet yeah that's one of my favorite reading sessions so i decided to go ahead and explore <laughs> I might do that later. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I just, when I was in that corner, I felt like wanting to like, I don't know, like really smell nature and like be outside. Mm. It like really hits this place of adventure and playful childlike innocence of wanting to know more about the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I felt like, I was thinking about like my early childhood, how I was indoors a lot, you know? Um, well, I guess I actually like later when I was in Sacramento, so it was the suburbs, but before that I was like outdoors. So I went somewhere between those two spaces and I felt very like insular and like inside myself, like in my world and my books. And then I started like shifting out of it. And then by the end, I was sort of like, I don't know what I was doing. I was dancing. No, I just, yeah, I did go through a phase like that later. But um, yeah, it was interesting to like think of yourself like wrapped in yourself, almost like swaddled in a blanket, but it was your body, your own body. So I was like, you know, down like this and just really like twisted in myself. And then like, like a branch, branches just starting to open up and then be like, yeah, we could play. And then just feeling like, you know, once you kind of get out of that, that um, tangled place that you created for yourself, whether those are roots or branches tangling and making it so you can't move and you are untangled. And it's like now the wind is blowing, you want to play. That's how I felt. If you imagine how we were in the embryoic state, mm -hmm. like the fetus position, it's very much with our hand coming close yeah. to our heart and our yeah. mouth being close to the hand. So there is this relationship with how we, we touch, how we speak, and how we feel in our heart. Huh. And so it makes sense that when we're a child, this is what feels safe to us. Sure. Right. And it's almost like the opening of like other external like stimuli mm -hmm. that might be threatening, but not until you gauge like, okay, actually I am free to move and however feels good to my body. And I could still engage with my external environment while still feeling safe in my body is, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the connection. It's yeah. cool. Really yeah. Very neat. Yes. Um, for mm -hmm. me, it's just like, it was, it was really that feeling of just kind of feeling like, oh, like, 
this is my space and just like this and then and really like getting comfortable with that of just not not being like being that took me a minute to just like be in that and that child feeling you know and it's like yeah you don't you know you don't have to do anything else and then um and then yeah and then once I got really comfortable there then it was just like a natural a natural thing to to start moving outward and to stretch and to to move into a new space so I think I think there was this I got embarrassed at one point because I like looked at myself and I was just like oh my god I look crazy you know (laughs) I just saw myself for a moment I was like and then I looked and I saw Madifa wasn't on the screen I was like I'm gonna go off screen so I went off screen and then I thought well I'm gonna come back so I came back but there's this vulnerability with you know doing this work like us going out of our comfort zones Mm -hmm. and you know exploring our bodies and our memories and being guided by you there's definitely this vulnerability Mm -hmm. that happens that is hard to get through you know or just this Mm -hmm. idea of social media like wanting to look polished and Mm -hmm. it's like Manifa and I kind of tried to do the opposite of that where and in our coaching too it's like we just want to be real we want to like show people what they can do we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. our, our lives and so I really appreciate it as part of that yeah, I appreciate <laughs> the way that you said that because this process around healing is messy and it's supposed yeah. to be, there isn't actually like a 10 steps to be totally healed or awakened or enlightened. Mm-hmm. It's it's falling apart. It's being your, your head is banging the floor. Like I realized that I was actually in agony at one point being like, why does this hurt? Why am I so lonely here in this position and then coming mm. through but then it gives you different information right it gives you more awareness and acceptance for who you really are outside of what you know oppressive structures have you think you should be yeah. and if we're if we're talking about decolonizing this is actually was this i don't know it's over it's over there but this is the subject so Manif and i did a book chapter together mm. and we did worked with, i worked with a dancer too and I worked with Manifa as an opera singer. And so we were, I was trying to find these like alternate vocabularies and through movement and voice. And so this is kind of, your work kind of really reminded me of that, is that we are discovering alternate vocabularies to express ourselves that go outside of these colonized, you know, heteropatriarchal structures so that we can you know, live our truths and communicate with each other and communicate with others, right? Yes, that is definitely the work. I think this is like a a new-ish, I don't know if you could call it, yeah, it's this new shift in the consciousness I'm seeing. Like, I think yoga or fitness, yoga hit the spiritual wellness space, like what, 10 years ago right now, we are evolving into decolonizing outside of white supremacy, and it's going to take a while for the for the vocabulary or for the embodied transmission of people who are are responding and listening and doing their own healing so that they could craft their own gifts and the way to really share that this is safe and this is our progression and our evolution as a species and so we're all we're all shifting and like coming back into ourselves and learning again and it's a very humble process just to share mm-hmm. <laughs> the different ways mm-hmm. that we can express the gift. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So thank you for having me in this. Sure. (laughs) Should we, did you want to add anything, Manifa, or should we close? No, I think that was beautiful. Oh, so can we, can we do like a takeaway? It doesn't have to be super long, like what each of us maybe are going to walk away with, with this podcast episode. Do you want, I can start, I guess I can start. I think something I learned was, you know, just what kind of what we've been talking about at the end is that these spaces that we're creating for each other, for ourselves, for our clients, these are vulnerable spaces. These are spaces where we don't just allow for our clients to grow, but we allow for ourselves to grow. And we provide tools for them based on who they are and where they're at and what they need. And so we're guiding them, but we're in no way the foremost expert of these subjects because the subjects are really them. So it helps them get to themselves. And then like for me, for communication, I am doing like skill building, but it has to start from this place of like all the things we just did. Like it has to start from this place of uh, self-discovery, you know, self-awareness, exploration, and then starting from that place forward, blossoming into this person that they already are. They just maybe don't see themselves as that way yet. And so speaking that person, appearing as that person, writing as that person, that's the work that, that I do. And that's kind of, that's what I take from the session is that, you know, it does take longer. Like Tiffany, like you said, it is messier. It's not like 10 steps to success. Number one, you know, uh, brush your hair 200 times while looking in the mirror. I don't, that's like a 19th century one, maybe. But I, yeah, I really like this, this idea of getting, of allowing for yourself to be vulnerable, allowing for something to maybe feel a little scary and then, and trusting and then moving forward from there. Yes. I think that's something that I express like through every time I go into a situation as uh, number one, because I, I want the freedom of it, mm-hmm. but the, the freedom comes with the responsibility of entering into something that's unseen. Right. So like, um, so it's, it's always kind of that, that feeling of like, Oh, I, 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 I want certainty and I want freedom. Uh, but mm-hmm. um for me, it was, it was kind of exploring my, what came to me was really exploring my own perspectives, how, how I'm really um, being, modeling a lot of what I'm, I'm seeing in the world, and, um, and it, it may look different because I'm different, but it's still the same process, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it was really beautiful to have such wonderful mirrors, and, mm-hmm. um, get to to explore even more deeply with you guys today thank you i am taking away that there's so much more room for play in work that we don't necessarily say but like the the creative process of um finding what's most resonant and what's most present even within me and then attuning to both of your receptivity and and cultivating that sense of trust and rapport that we've been able to do in the last 
hour and a half of nerding out and then <laughs> you know I, I honestly didn't know what I was gonna do today but like it felt really right for us to go into this space of like playing on the floor and just being able to touch my breath and sound with Munifa's exercise it was tearing I'm like this is exactly what I need and I was moving too, moving the energy yeah, out as so I was like this both. is this is what's the most present rather than think ahead of what I should be doing or what mm -hmm. I should be preparing for and then feeling grounded with Shannon's exercise and feeling my perineum and then like squeezing my, yeah squeezing these muscles and then like that creative sacral channel like what wants to come forth is built mm -hmm. through like when I'm actually feeling emoting and opening mm -hmm. up to and so the organic creative process the the feminine flow the ephemeral whatever <laughs> <laughs> that kind of yeah. juice <laughs> is what I'm taking away of what y'all are creating here and bringing in our diverse experiences and our respect mm -hmm. to our culture is great so thank you again for just being on here tiffany you're a first this is an experiment is that a tire what is that is it <laughs> it's for it's to massage the, oh, the, the creases and the muscles looks, in the back i need that yeah. it's like a big lego yeah. it looks really fun yeah. uh, <laughs> well tiffany tiffany is our first guest so Yes. I just think I'm really happy that this worked out so well and thank you, know, you just so much. Kind of, yeah, I feel like it was so wonderful. So thank you yeah. so much for being on and I'm just going to have each of us sign out again and then maybe, oh, oh, so before let's say where to contact each of us. Sure. So I, you can contact me at my email or my website. My website is Wong Learner Coaching dot com and so that's and i'll put that spelling out in the in the post or con contact at wantlearnercoaching.com and i provide all kinds of services mostly for diverse people speak all having to do with speech and writing and yeah i do i do like a multitude of different things some having to do with career some just having to do with on the job public speaking too <laughs> And she's good. Um, <laughs> I'm Monifa Harris. So you can find me on Facebook. Just find me on Facebook. Monifa Harris um, Voice. If you're looking for my page, um, you can also join me on my group, Get Vocal, where we do all things uh, <laughs> that are necessary to, to begin the process of getting vocal um, and whatever version that looks like for you. Um, so yeah. So that's and that's on Facebook. Facebook. Did you say that? Yes, yeah, so that was primary, all on Facebook. But you can find me, um, Monifa Harris, M-O-N-I-F-A-H-A-R-R-I-S, on um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And then okay. my handle is usually Drama Medzo, mm -hmm. D-R-A-M-A-M-E-Z-Z-O. Amazing. And Shannon, you'll have this written up as well? I will. Awesome. You can okay. in the group. Oh, when, let's just briefly mention that. So like you can find the full video where you can yes. see us do the exercises okay. and all of that kind cool. of thing on our group, which is also on Facebook. 
Um, so facebook.com slash groups slash E-F-E-M-E-R-A-L. You can see that on the podcast. So just ephemeral and that will take you to the, the whole group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you want to give your info at all, Tiffany, before we go? I'd love to. Yes. Um, My website is tiffanylin.co. My Instagram handle is at tiffrexrei, T-A-F-F-R-E-X-R-E-I. I am an embodiment and expression coach. I work with people from all across the gender binary on their ability to express whatever is in the inner, innermost depths of their soul, their psyche, their spirit, and be able to transmit that in an authentic and aligned way. Um, So really the intersection of embodiment, intimacy, voice, truth, and love. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So again, this is Shannon Wong-Lerner, communication coach. Hi, Monifa Harris, voice coach. Tiffany Lynn, embodiment coach. And this was Ephemeral Voice Matters. Lift your voice, embody your movement, breathe your diversity. Thank you so much for listening.